T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. And I'm watching this $1.9 trillion stimulus package from the Senate floor continuing to be read word for word by the clerks in the Senate. It's uh, year thereafter. The secretary shall, except as otherwise provided in this subsection, make payments to the Virgin Islands, Guam, the Commonwealth of the North Mariana Islands, equal to A, the cost of such possession of the earned income wow. tax credit. I'm, I'm giving you, I got to give major credit to these clerks who are able to read this that quickly and that accurately. About a half hour ago, they were on page 475 of 628. CBS News at the top of the hour there just mentioned it could take 10 hours to read it. They were more than six hours in. They're probably about close to seven hours right now. I don't know if they'll be quite 10, but these clerks are amazing. They definitely deserve a pat on the back. In each calendar year thereafter, the secretary shall, except as otherwise provided in this subsection, make payments to American Samoa equal to A, the lesser of... One, the cost of, to American Samoa of the earned income tax credit for taxable years beginning in or with such calendar year, or two, $16 million plus B, in the case of calendar years 2021 through 2025, the lesser of. Oh, my goodness. I, I, and, you know, I keep seeing tweets, and they said there's only, like, one senator left in the chamber. It's Ron Johnson who's the requested this. And essentially, if he leaves, it's over. So that's why he's sitting through this whole thing. So often we rush these massive bills that are – hundreds, if not thousands of pages long, you don't have time. Nobody has time to read them. And so Ain't nobody got time to read them, huh? So why would you put it out a couple of days before passage, knowing that no one's going to be able to read them and you're requesting that the United States spend $1.9 trillion? It doesn't seem right now, does it? It doesn't seem like that's a good process. It also is disturbing to know that all of this wasteful spending continues to sit inside of it. And there's been no question to it. Thus, that's why we're reading this whole thing tonight. A, such dollar amount multiplied by B, the cost of living adjustment determined under section 1F3 for such calendar year determined by substituting calendar year 2020 for calendar year 2016. You know, if you had insomnia or had issues sleeping, all you need to do is just bring up this video in the future. Application of certain... Press play, litter rip, and 10 minutes later... Or shall apply for the purposes of this subsection. D, treatment of payments. For purposes of section 1324 of Title 31 United States Code, the payments under this section shall be treated in the same manner as... That's how I'm guessing you sleep. I don't know for sure. But welcome to Overnight America. And I got to say, at 11 o'clock, we're going to air our Robert Highland documentary. If you haven't heard it before, maybe you don't know much about Robert Highland. 
He is the person that KMOX credits for their long and wonderful history and legacy and success as a news talk station and was just such a great eye for talent and everything he was able to do. He passed away in 1992 on March 5th, and it'll be 29 years since his passing. And since I made this documentary last year, I thought this would be an appropriate time to replay it. Let's do it tonight. Nice way to end the week. Something that's non-political. I think you'll enjoy it. So that starts at 11 o'clock. So we'll do that in a little bit less than uh, two hours from now. And up until then, I think we're just going to play this live feed from the Senate floor for the rest of the night. Under Section 32C of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986, two, application to joint returns. For purposes of subsection A, in the case of a joint return, the earned income of the taxpayer for the first taxable year beginning. They say Ron Johnson's in the back reading word for word to make sure they don't miss any of it. (laughs) Um, So we'll, we'll probably duck in and out of that just for the fun of it. Not that there's anything significant to read. Oh, it looks like they're doing changing of the guards. It looks like there's a new aide coming up. Oh, here we One, go. Errors treated as mathematical errors for purposes of section 6213 of the internal. Wow, they, they cut that mid sentence to like the new page. Used on a return of earned income pursuant to sub- subsection A shall be treated as a mathematical or clerical error to no effect on determination of gross income, et cetera, except as otherwise provided in the subsection, the internal revenue. All right. Okay. That's we're going to call it there for now. <laughs> Mitch McConnell was asked about it, uh, upset about the way this bill was going down and rightfully so he should be. Washington Democrats are trying to exploit the last chapters of this crisis to pass what president Biden's chief of staff calls quote, the most progressive domestic legislation in a generation, no openness to meaningful bipartisan input, Ten Republican senators approached President Biden and proposed cooperation on the order of hundreds of billions of dollars. They were refused. Well, I, this gives me a great opportunity to do my Mitch McConnell impersonation. Oh, we showed up to Joe Biden's office and we couldn't find him and aid had to go upstairs and wake him up from his midday nap where he spends most of his time. They, uh, of course, uh, had a hard time uh, waking him up. He didn't know where he was. And we tried to talk about the uh, stimulus bill. And from there, we uh, couldn't get anything done. It's pretty good Mitch McConnell, if I don't say so myself. But he was also on Fox News talking about how there's a possibility that there are some Democrats that would finally admit that Maybe we don't need $1.9 trillion, and we certainly don't need everything that's inside of this. Do you think you're going to be able to peel off any Democrat senators in this bill? Well, we don't know yet, but it's wildly out of proportion, as your introduction pointed out, wildly out of proportion to where the country stands today. This $1.9 trillion bill is the same size as the bill we passed last April, right in the middle of the pandemic. This is not the same country we had a year ago. Only 9% of this $1.9 trillion is related to health care, and less than 1% of this $1.9 trillion bill is related to vaccines. It is a wildly out-of-proportion response to where the country is at the moment. The vaccines are going out, the economies are opening up, As you just pointed out, a lot of money that was sitting on the sidelines for obvious reasons over the last year is about to be to begin to be spent. Uh, We think having a debt the size of our economy for the first time since World War II already 
doesn't argue for adding $2 trillion more. I think he is right. I also think the great comparison to where we were a year ago when we passed that first big stimulus bill, which was we're going to ask for people to stay home. We know this is going to be devastating for people's jobs. We know this will be devastating for people's businesses, but we know that we have to do this. And they pushed for it and they said, at least we'll find a way to make it up. If you lose your job, you have additional unemployment, uh, unemployment benefits. If you're a business, we're going to find ways to help either, either give you uh, no interest loans or find ways to funnel money to local areas to help people. We're going to have to help hospitals, frontline workers, all of these things. And it was something that was worthy. And you know what? They put a bunch of junk into that one, too. But we realized, uh, you know, we could hold this up forever or we can just let them get what they needed out of it as in uh, steal from people in order to try to get their own little pet projects in. And they went with it either way. And then it took a long time for a second stimulus bill to happen, mostly because they tried to negotiate some of these things and it went all the way till the end of the year. Keep in mind, it was a negotiation. The Republicans and Democrats actually talked about it and tried to negotiate. And finally, in December, they put something through. Now it's March. They've been talking about it the last couple of months and there has been no negotiation. I think that needs to be pointed out that when you have 1.9 trillion on the table and there's no negotiation and you're talking about adding more to the debt, you have to compare where we were a year ago versus where we are today. There's really not the threat of all these businesses closing down. Now, you can say there's still a lot of economic hurt to the businesses because of the repercussions of the virus and the way that individual states and cities have been handling it. They may still be hurt because there's lower amounts of people that can go into their business. Some places you can't indoor dine, some places you, uh, occupancy or anyone that would walk in might not be able to do everything they want to. Uh, there's a lot of ways that businesses have tried to adapt in order to stay afloat, but at least the threat of closing everything down is off the table. And it doesn't look like we're going to have a mass exodus when it comes to unemployment like we did a year ago. So do we need to spend $1.9 trillion when things are still recovering? The answer is no. And then what can you cut from this? So you're only spending and putting the money that is necessary to spend. That should be the question. But that's not the question that the Pelosi's and Schumer's of the world want to ask. They want to know how much money we can give to, you know, family services that include abortions. How much money can we throw at the arts or how much money can we throw at building bridges or how much money can we throw at and all, fill in the blank things that really have nothing to do with fighting the virus one after another after another how much extra benefits can we give to federal employees how much uh, can we do when it comes to increasing the minimum wage how much you know and then they had this whole laundry list of stuff that they weren't uh, budging on or negotiating on and yeah it this is where we are today this is why we're reading the script this is why that we are on the Senate floor because it's frustrating to think that of this bill, how many people have actually looked at the whole thing that are going to be voting on it? And the answer is probably one person, and that's Ron Johnson, who's reading it right now. $10,500, half such dollar amount for $5,000, $2,500. B, effective date. The amendment made by this section shall apply to taxable years beginning after December 31, 2020. See retroactive plan amendments, a plan that otherwise satisfies all applicable requirements of sections 125 and 120. Oh, and now reading the whole thing, and he's, I think, the only one still left on the Senate uh, chambers of the senators watching this. And 
rightfully so. And he's making his point. He's, his point is, this is ridiculous that we're putting all this in there. Do you even know what's in it? No, you don't. Okay, then let's find out. Let's uh, have the clerks read it. If you want to talk about this, we can. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. You may just look at this as a stall, but the problem is that when you don't have a bipartisan effort and you're throwing a bunch of junk inside of there, what other options do you have at that point? Brad Young, by the way, is joining us this hour. He's a partner at Harris Dow Fisher and Young. Michael Brown, a new lawsuit involving that case out of Ferguson. And this time around, uh, Michael Brown Sr. there putting demands to Black Lives Matter, the organization, saying he wants $20 million. And he's threatening. He's saying, hey, this is, uh, this is something else. So I asked Brad Young. If he were to make this into a lawsuit and less of a demand and more of a court order or whatever it was, do you think he could win it? So Brad Young has some thoughts on that, and we're going to talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes. This is Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Here we are in Overnight America, and our friend Brad Young is going to be joining us in 10 minutes from now, talking about a... A thing with Black Lives Matter and Michael Brown out of Ferguson, it looks like the uh, family there is looking for some money from Black Lives Matter. And what's that all about? So we'll talk to Brad Young and he'll give you a rundown of what could be happening there. Now, I, I wanted to point out this is still going on on the Senate floor as we speak. I know you're really uh, worried that the clerks may have taken a break, but nope, they are still working. And- for purposes of the subsection A in general, the term collectively bargained defined benefit pension plan contributions means with respect to any calendar quarter contributions, which one are paid or incurred by an employer during the calendar quarter on behalf of its employees to a defined benefit plan as defined in section 414J, which meets the requirements of section 401A. All right. So I'm just going to leave it at that for now, but I, I'm watching some of the tweets and things that are going down. And the person that is presiding over this is a Democrat out of Arizona. It's Senator Kelly, one of the new ones. So is this the hazing for him? It's like, okay, you have to, we're going to have to haze you to get you in there. So he is the one presiding over this and he's reading word for word. And it reminds me of when I was in fourth or fifth grade, when as a class, you would read a chapter book and you had to follow along in class. And then the teacher would call on someone else to pick up where the other person was reading to make sure everyone was paying attention. If this was going on for six hours or seven hours, I would, I don't know how many times I would have been lost several times. I would have found myself trying to catch up just like in fourth or fifth grade. And there was a a person I remember sitting next to me one time I was lost and I got called on and the person next to me frantically looked over and pointed exactly where we were in the book. And I was able to pick back up. And I'll never forget, thank you, Brian, for doing that. <laughs> and this is what it would be like if someone were to nudge Senator Kelly or Senator uh, Ron Johnson that's in the back right now. Hey, would you be able to tell where you are right now if they wanted you to pick up? Flashbacks from grade school, I know. 314-436-7900. One more for Mitch McConnell, by the way. Is there a possibility that some of this stuff gets stripped out if there are a couple of Democrats that are sympathetic to all the wasteful spending in it. Do you believe right now, as you talk, as you speak today, that there's any chance that perhaps Joe Manchin or perhaps Kristen Sinema, senators from West Virginia and Arizona, might vote no on this bill? Well, I, I doubt it in the end. There is a chance, however, that they may join us in slimming it down some, probably nowhere near as much of a slim down as the situation argues for. But 
any amount we can reduce the size of this is a good thing for the, for the country. And I think there's at least a chance that one or two Democrats could join all of us and spend a little bit less. Have you spoken it's, with it's still going to be It's still going to be wildly out of proportion to what the country needs right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like dumb and dumber when he's at the end, he's asking the woman, uh, what are the chances a girl like you and a guy like me get together? Uh, not good. So you're saying there's a chance. Something like that. One in a million. Hmm. So you're saying there's a chance. That's Mitch McConnell right now with the Democrats. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's probably about a one in a million chance that uh, one of the Democrats will go against uh, Pelosi. We all know. Uh, because she uh, dabbles in witchcraft, she has a very strong spell uh, attached to all of the Democratic members of the Senate right now. It's very hard for her. To... <laughs> I've been watching too much WandaVision. No, it's, it's hard for uh, to break that spell without the eye of a newt. And they've been uh, hard to come by. And Amazon's late to uh, send them to Capitol Hill. So one in a million, that's basically the chances and. Some Republicans are thinking, so you're saying there's a chance. Mike Pompeo was on Sean Hannity's show over at Fox News, and he was talking about, well, is it possible that he runs for president in 2024? I like Mike Pompeo. You know, he's close to this region. He's from Kansas, isn't he, I believe? Let's say there's a scenario Donald Trump makes a decision he's not going to run in 2024. Would you consider getting in that race? Sean, I'm always up for a good fight. I care deeply about America. You and I have been part of the conservative movement for an awfully long time now. I aim to keep at it. All right. I'll I'll take that as a strong maybe. I don't know how to interpret that. I'll take that as a strong maybe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was uh, House of Representatives with Kansas's fourth congressional district, uh, Kansas representative on the Republican National Committee, member of the Italian-American congressional delegation, He was also a member of the uh, Tea Party movement with the Republican Party and then later tapped as uh, secretary of state in the Trump administration. I thought he did a good job myself. And he was asked many other questions here. Um, For example, threats against the United States. We look at the way the Biden administration is starting to lighten up on Iran and lighting up on the border and some of these other things that are really looked at as now problems for our country as we start to bend on these. Uh, So who is the greatest threat? He was asked that. There's no doubt it is the Chinese Communist Party. They present the most sustained threat to our fundamental way of life here in the United States of America. I hope this administration will take that threat most seriously. The American people deserve it, and I know that they're going to demand it. All right. And Mike Pompeo also, as part of that interview on Fox News, really one of the first ones I've heard since uh, leaving office. So uh, leaders watching the Biden administration, is this a good thing? All of these different lightening of sanctions, uh, getting friendly with Iran, things like that. World leaders uh, and uh, my counterparts all across the world are watching very closely. Uh, Senior leadership all across the world, they watch every statement that is made. They watch every move. They see what their uh, patterns are like, uh, the kinds of behaviors they exhibit exhibit when, when times are tough and when the pressure is really on. And so you remember, President Trump would be out there. He, he talked to the media all the time, probably more than any modern president. He was out engaging with the media on a, a broad range of topics, wide open. He'd take questions from just about everyone. Uh, when a leader can't do that, when they can't take questions, when they can't explain the policies that are engaged in, when they seem to be hiding behind, whether that's staff or just the fact that uh, they don't have time, leaders watch that, they wonder, and you'll see. 
you'll see when uh, the United States exhibits weakness, it creates real risk for our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines all across the world. Uh, weakness begets wars, and strength determines whether an adversary is going to be deterred, and it also determines whether our allies really want to toss in with us when times get most difficult. That is Mike Pompeo. The guy can talk. Now, I'm impressed with him, but I'm mostly impressed with all of the clerks still on the Senate floor tonight. Let's take a listen. Or 7837J of the Small Business Act shall, when applied in connection with either such section, have the same meaning as when used in such section, respectively. G, regulations. The secretary shall prescribe such regulations or other guidance as may be necessary to carry out the purposes of this section, including one, regulations or other guidance to prevent the avoidance of the purposes of the limitations under this section. Yeah, it makes me wonder if we can put some sort of like uh, slow under jam section. under that to really put the mood together for that. Maybe we'll do that later in the hour to end it. But coming up right after the break, we'll take a look at your weather. Brad Young, partner at Harris Style Fisher and Young on this potential lawsuit. Not quite at that point point yet uh michael brown senior and black lives matter not getting along right now and we're going to talk about what's going on there and how that could lead to a you know legal battle with brad young after the break on overnight america kmox we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Joining us now is our partner at Harris Dow Fisher and Young. Brad Young, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks. I don't know if you remember when producer Mike brought this up, but before we started doing interviews, and it's been a long time, we've been doing many interviews here on the show for Overnight America, but he always believed you were like the janitor at the law firm, and you were just pretending to be a lawyer <laughs> to get access onto KMOX. And I was thinking about that the other day, and I just thought how funny that was, because every time I introduce you as, you know, partner for Harris Al Fisher and Young, your name's on it now. It wasn't then. I don't know why I remember that, but uh, good times. You've been contributing to the show and KMOX for so many different years. I really do appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's always my pleasure, Ryan. I love it. There's a lawsuit that has been uh, announced, uh, at least have been reported on, with Michael Brown and, of course, has ties here to Ferguson, Missouri. It looks like he may be taking action against the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation because he believes uh, that he has owed some money based on the amount of work and fundraising he's done for the organization. And when I saw this, I thought, oh, that's kind of strange because can you have an expectation of getting something back if you're raising money for someone else if you're not if there's no contract involved or because there's still some things we don't know about the arrangement they had but it just makes me wonder is he owed anything and what are the merits of this lawsuit 
Well, first of all, there's no evidence yet that a lawsuit's been filed. Uh, Michael Brown Sr. has apparently sent a letter to the Black Lives Matter organization demanding $20 million, which, you know, that's a pretty good demand. And uh, uh, But there's no indication yet that there's a lawsuit. But as I've looked this over, I, I can think of at least three potential causes of action that Michael Brown Sr. could have against Black Lives Matter because it was just announced this week that Black Lives Matter in 2020, the organization, raised $90 million, and that's just in 2020. And they've not released what they've received in funding from 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, but clearly it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars uh, based upon estimates over the last four or five years. So thinking about what could Michael Brown Sr. allege, I came up with three causes of action. Now, obviously, they've not contacted me. I don't represent them. But this is just from my experience. They could file a lawsuit for something called an intentional interference with a business expectancy. That's a, that's a type of unfair business practice that occurs when somebody intentionally interferes with a person's business expectancy. And Michael Brown Sr. said he was expecting that money to roll into Ferguson, and so far I think he got $500, which mm. you know doesn't go very far these days. Mm. Uh, secondly, potentially a breach of an oral contract if he had that, but more importantly, and I think this is probably would be the focal point of any litigation, would be something called quantum merit. Uh, that's a cause of action under common law where someone demands a reasonable sum of money to be paid for services rendered or work done when there's no actual contract. And Michael Brown Sr. has been out there fundraising for Black Lives Matter, apparently with the expectation that some of this would roll back into Ferguson. You know, 500 bucks is not much of a roll rollback. So I, I think there's some possible litigation that we could see on this in the near future. When you fundraise for an organization and you're pretty well vocal about it, let's say hypothetically part of some of the fundraising he mentions, we'll say Michael Brown mentions that Black Lives Matter said that they're going to be donating money back to Ferguson. So as part of his speech, he announces that. Would that could that be used as evidence that there was at least maybe an oral agreement that there was going to be some money coming back in? Certainly that would be evidence. In, in legal circles, that's called an admission. So when a party states something as an intention to do something, that's, that's called an admission. That's admissible. You know, we've all heard the phrase hearsay evidence, but mm -hmm. an admission by a party is not considered hearsay evidence, even if it's mentioned outside of court. Mm -hmm. So in this instance, if there were representatives of Black Lives Matter who said, hey, Michael Brown Sr., go do some fundraising for us, and we'll make sure that we send something back to Ferguson. The understanding there would be that it would certainly be more than $500. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, those statements could be used as evidence in any uh, potential litigation. Yeah, don't forget, I think he also received gift cards to Applebee's, so we don't want to discount that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that, that takes care of everything, because, you know, Applebee's is pretty expensive. But, you know, clearly the, <laughs> clearly the expectation would be more than some gift cards from Applebee's and 500 bucks. So yeah. uh, when you demand $20 million, that gets someone's attention. I read today that currently the Black Lives Matter organization has about $60 million on hand. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to spread this around a little bit or uh, Michael Brown Sr. is going to be calling in the lawyers. So what does this mean for the organization of Black Lives Matter? Because we know, for example, 
during the Stan Kroenke issue here in the city of St. Louis, the big thing was the discovery process, depositions and things like that. So let's say hypothetically this does turn into a lawsuit. Would this actually open that organization up for discovery and then you'd be able to get a better look at the books of that organization that has been somewhat secretive about how they spend their money and how they use it? Ryan, that is such a great question, because as you and I discussed with the Stan Kroenke NFL litigation, discovery is oftentimes scarier to organizations than any eventual outcome of that litigation. So in other words, if, if Black Lives Matter organization is sitting on $60 million, you know, $20 million or whatever they could negotiate wouldn't necessarily hurt them, but the litigation could certainly hurt them if it comes out that that they were fundraising or they were making promises that they didn't follow up on or that executives were earning huge salaries for doing no work. Any of those things could come out during litigation because that discovery phase would require the organization of Black Lives Matter to give up their payroll, to give up their, their, their books, to open up their bank accounts to litigation. And that, I think, is worse worse than anything that could happen with regard to the outcome of that litigation. So you are exactly right. I think Black Lives Matter here will be on the phone very quickly with uh, Michael Brown Sr. to work out some type of settlement, if for no other reason than simply to avoid litigation. Yeah, and I hear about all the local chapters that have the same grievance against the national chapter because they say they received no funding, no resources, but they're sending money and their donations are going there. And it's almost like all these individual chapters have this exact same complaint that nothing's coming back to the community. So it's not a unique thing to Ferguson. It also makes me wonder, as an individual, would he have to request or demand this money to be used in Ferguson, or is he someone that could personally benefit from this? Like, would this be a thing, if they went to a lawsuit, that he would be the plaintiff in this, or would it be, or would it be like maybe like a nonprofit or an organization that would have to set something like that up? Well, two answers. First of all, we don't know what conversations have taken place between Michael Brown Sr. and Black Lives Matter uh, Corporation. So we don't know what promises may or may not have occurred there with regard to Michael Brown Sr.'s personal uh, payment for whatever fundraising activities he's done. Secondly, what we do know is that he has publicly stated that any money he receives from Black Lives Matter would go towards a community center or assisting organizational efforts uh, for African Americans in the Ferguson area. That's what he said publicly, and so that's the second part of what at least presumably that money would go for. With the thought that there's something owed to the community because he's been used in this way. I wonder about other organizations that have some sort of spokesperson that helps fundraise. And I'll give you a couple of examples because I watch late night infomercials being up late at night and you see like Shriners, for example, and there's the, the kids come out and they say, you know, you're helping us kids and they do these certain things. And there's certain spokesperson for some prop nonprofits and charities and things like that. So generally speaking, what's a proper way that people normally set up being spokesperson? Are they typically like paid actors? Is that how they're treated? Or do they all have some sort of expectation that their help and their name are trying to, you know, at the least get something back on the back end for it? Yeah, anyone that appears on camera or in any sort of formal advertising or marketing for a non-for-profit is going to have one of two things. 
either number one, they're going to be paid and there would be a contract reflecting that, or number two, there would be an agreement indicating that they're waiving any request for remuneration for that. So that's required. So uh, I can promise you that on any of those late-night infomercials that you're watching while you're trying to wind down from you know the award-winning Overnight America show, <laughs> uh, that uh, in those circumstances, those folks have either been paid or they've waived their fee. But that's the interesting thing about Michael Brown Jr., or rather Michael Brown Sr., is that I don't know that he's actually appeared on anything uh, uh, either on television or radio or in print formally advocating on behalf of BLM Incorporated, but he certainly has done so informally uh, for at least four or five years now, perhaps even longer. So let's say BLM had some sort of literature where his name is mentioned. So it's a, it's a pretty straightforward, we're using him, his name, his cause as a way to try to fundraise. Does that work in his benefit or is that something that doesn't matter? No, that works definitely in his benefit. And it's also, however this gets resolved, Ryan, you're going to see this as a template. For example, in 2020, of course, the big story was George Floyd uh, out, out of Minnesota. So his family might also come come to bear here and say, you've been fundraising based upon the George Floyd situation. We want some of this money to come back to Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Uh, there was an incident in New York. There have been several instances in California and even in Florida. So uh, I think however this gets resolved will be a template for how these crisis situations occur. BLM uh, will market that for fundraising purposes. And then the, the, the individuals who are involved in that crisis or that tragedy, uh, this will be a template for how they move forward in the future. Okay. Well, you're always so good at explaining these things and taking my non-legal mind questions and turning them into something that everyone can understand. So I don't know how you can translate that way. It must be your many years of experience in the legal fields. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. You know, when you're doing a jury trial or something, you've got to be able to explain uh, complicated legal issues in a way that regular lay people can understand. And very quickly, Ryan, whenever I talk to a jury, I always explain to them the difference between a claim and evidence like this. I always say, I can claim to have hair, but there's no evidence of it. <laughs> All right. Seems to uh, that probably wins a jury over. I like things like that, too. Oh, yeah. When I got them laughing, that's always a good sign. Partner at Harris Dahl, Fisher and Young, Brad Young, thank you again for coming on to Overnight America. My pleasure, Ryan. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. All right. Welcome back. It's Overnight America, the Robert Highland documentary. We're going to air it tonight at 11 o'clock. You may have heard it. You may have forgotten about it. You may want to just relive it, enjoy it again. Or if you want to, you can download it. It's in our podcast section. I just recently posted a link on my Facebook page, Ryan Wrecker Radio. If you do a search for Ryan Wrecker Radio on Facebook, that's where you will find it. All right. Let's see how things are going over on the good old Senate floor. All right. Looks like it's uh, going on, going on. Okay. Which does not have a merit code uh -oh. estimated by the secretary as being equal to the aggregate benefits, if any, that would have been provided to residents of such possession by reason of the provisions of this section if a merit code tax system had been in effect in such possession. The preceding sentence shall not apply unless the prospective possession has a plan. Let me just say, because they're reading every single word, 
in this $1.9 trillion bill that no one has read. I'm looking at the clerk's desk right now. There is, as far as I can see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 water bottles on this desk. You have to go through a lot of water to take care of your throat for something like that. I totally understand it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We're going to actually do another live hour of Overnight America next hour. So we'll take some of your calls if there's things that you want to get to before we say goodbye for the weekend. We always love to play our friend Kevin Colleen in his whole nother stories. Winter may have us just where it wants us, thinking it's all over. Like one of those old war movies like the Battle of the Bulge. Everybody thought World War II was over, that Hitler was finished. He'd been pushed all the way back to Germany practically when all of a sudden... The Battle of the Bulge. The Battle of the Bulge, a surprise comeback attempt. It didn't work. But the same thing could happen to us. We could be exposed to a sudden dipper clipper from Canada as we're having our daughter's birthday party out in the spring-like conditions, and the daughter will be frozen into a sickle of ice. Our complacency reminds me of Game 6 of the 1985 World Series. You remember the game that the Cardinals were supposed to win? The play at first base. Whitey Herzog came out to argue with umpire Don Dankinger, but he was like a weatherman saying, no, you're getting three feet of snow in March. And we can't forget the lessons of all those monster movies. It seems the monster always has one more comeback, like in Aliens with Sigourney Weaver after the cyborg bishop had rescued Sigourney from the planet and all the creatures down there. They land the shuttlecraft on the orbiting mothership and the queen alien has hitched a ride. Bishop, you did okay. I did. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh, that's the acid hissing. <gasps> then the, the tail poking him in the back. Yes, winter can stick its prong tail in our back and snap us in half with our guts spilling out all over our tulips that we were admiring. It is no time for complacency. An early spring is a fragile thing, and we have to be on guard for the monster of winter. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. The Monster of Winter? Sounds like an awesome title for a book, doesn't it? But by the weekend, we're looking back into the 60s. Monday, according to Brian Thompson, an AccuWeather meteorologist, we're going to hit 70 degrees on Monday. It should at least approach it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. One more hour of Overnight America coming up. And then our Robert Highland documentary after that. If you want to call in, you can. I'd love to hear from you. 314-436-7900. A couple of things about different, uh, like, for example, Mississippi House passing a bill banning transgender student athletes. That seems to be a hot topic right now. We'll talk about that coming up next. KMOX. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.